Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week, we are going to be taking a look at Dinosaur Island and Dinosaur World and kind of comparing the two. And then in our discussion topic, we're actually going to be discussing disposable games. So legacy games, uh, the exit games, stuff like that. So we're going to kind of dive into our thoughts on that. But before we get into any reviews or anything, I got something I got to bring up. Uh Uh-oh. What's that? In the last few episodes, you and I have had a couple discussions. The first being whether or not you should have hate drafted Jeremy on the crop list tiles, right? And right, I was like, which that's everyone com- agreed that it's everybody at the table's responsibility. No, that's not how that went. Anyway, so then there was that. And then the other thing that came up is how you don't think you're a nerd. You're like nerd adjacent. Uh, which is accurate, yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> I think we've, 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 tab- we've, we've already um, concluded these conversations. I think we're good. No, that's not how that's going to work. Anyway, so they're going to keep getting brought up over and over again because I'm spiteful <laughs> like that. So we, uh, I have... Uh, where I work, like I deal with a lot of the same customers, and one customer in particular listens to the podcast. His name is John. John, thank you so much, man. So he walks in and he's like, "Hey, you're completely right. It's Natasha's what? responsibility to take care of that." She and he's like, "It's like basketball. You got to take care of your man. That's your man. You got to take care of your man. Like you don't rely on your other teammates when you're, you know, one on one with somebody." And I was like, "Thank you, man. That's I appreciate that." that. No, the board games and sports are not the same. It can be that a lot of things in life are relatable. So then the other thing he Whoa, said. Oh, we're not just moving on. <laughs> what does he even know? Does he yeah. play board games? John, do you play board games? I need to know this. Is he just uh, a fan of the show? Because that really depends. On... <laughs> to, to be fair, I, he, does, he is not a board gamer. Oh, like oh really? Oh, really? Yes, but he does have an opinion about it, which aligns with mine. So I'm going to bring it up. And if we, if there's one thing, if there's one thing we've learned, is if somebody agrees with me, I'll bring them on the show. And then, <laughs> okay, I guess we're moving on. Yeah, because we brought that up on game night, where we said, "All right, is that a thing?" And then one of our friends, Dan, was like, "Well, I mean, you know, yes, it's kind of you know everyone's responsibility. I can see that." But if it comes down to you, you know, and it was a lot, it was real wishy-washy. And I, I think he was just being nice. He really. didn't want to be a dick to me. Pretty much is what I, the way I took it. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I think that he just didn't want to get in the middle of our argument. That's probably he agreed true. with me, but didn't want to make you mad because you're the angry one. I'm the more emotionally unstable, I'd say. <laughs> I'm not necessarily, I, I have a lot of highs and a lot of lows is the way it goes. You're very like. <laughs> Even keeled, if you get mad, you get mad, but it takes you a while. Whereas I'm kind of more of like a roller coaster. I have my ups and downs. See, he didn't want to. He didn't want to start that roller coaster. So I think he. Was I don't think he's been on you. the. I don't think he's been on the Bob emotional roller coaster. <laughs> he's probably so not emotionally invested. I, so I don't think he cares one way or another. That's fair. And then, so then the the next thing he he says he goes 100 percent. Natasha is a nerd. And the fact that he doesn't play board games solidifies the fact that, yes, you are a nerd. To the outside world, Natasha, you are a nerd. That may be true. 100% I think, true. I think it really depends on where you plot me in. If I'm in um, you know, the real world, I'm slightly nerdier than the average person. However, slightly. If, I, if you drop me in the middle slightly. of a convention, like Comic-Con or a board gaming convention, 
I'm like pretty basic. <laughs> you shop at you shop at Bed Bath and Beyond. You get scented candles, and you want your pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, and I got my high high rise boots and my leggings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We gotta go to the pumpkin patch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty basic. So. It really know. is depending on the context of my situation. I think it, yeah, yeah. It, uh, I don't know. Either way, you're you're a nerd. Just embrace the fact that you're a nerd. It's all good. It's 2022. Just embrace it. It's cool to be nerdy. It's cool to be nerdy. <laughs> but John, thank you so says, much. Says another nerd. Oh, uh, oh, I'm ner- <laughs> I'm a hundred percent. Listen, we can smell our own. We know. We know <laughs> when we're around other nerds. <laughs> you have the nerd smell. <laughs> What I love is like the nerd kind of standoff you have with another nerd that doesn't know you're a nerd. So like, for example, I was interacting with somebody at work, another coworker from, you know, he he does some marketing stuff, blah, blah, blah. So him and I are interacting. So we're doing that little like, oh, you play board games? Yeah. Do you play board games? Yeah. Well, what <laughs> board game do you play? Well, what's your favorite board game? And you're like, not Monopoly, not Monopoly. Right. And it, well, I, I, I really am enjoying Arkham Horror. Which one? The card, the <laughs> living card game. Ooh, you an LCG, you say? <laughs> and then it the, the floodgates open. I remember I hired one of my newest employees and I was painting some minis and I brought them in to clear coat them at my, at my work. And so I, I set them up or whatever and I started clear coating them and the employee comes up to me and says, you paint minis? <laughs> like, yeah, who's asking? Well, what what are they for? I'm like, well, these are for a board game, but I'll do minis for like, you know, RPGs and stuff. And that employee's like, well, I play D and D. Well, why didn't you say that in the interview process? You would have been insta hired. Like, <laughs> why didn't you wait until you joined the team? Because normally it does not work that way. No, normally D and D game will not get you a job. <laughs> Probably not, but in this case it did. It would have, but it's just like that little standoff you have. Like, how cool are you in the nerd world? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we've all had those conversations. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just checking out each other's or nerd like, cred. Sometimes they're like, "Yeah, I love board games. I play like, like Sorry and Uno and Cards Against Humanity." And you're like, "Oh yeah," you cool. like you get your hopes up, and then they like destroy them. <laughs> My favorite is like, oh, I love I love board games. I play Cards Against Humanity all the time. Now, listen, I'm not going to like I'm I'm kind of crapping on Cards Against Humanity just now. But to be fair, I've played that game and I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it like twice and then yeah, I was yeah, done yeah. with it, you know. Yeah. So it's definitely more the mainstream game is, is the point. Not that. Well, it's you bad. can get it at Target. I mean, you can get it mm-hmm. just about anywhere. So which is which is really nice. But yeah, the uh, the sizing up each other's nerd cred. I it just. I love that little like <laughs> the little little song and dance you're having with the other person. <laughs> like, how nerdy are you? Where are you on the nerd scale? I'm like, you don't want to jump too far into the conversation, you know, and and push them away either. So it's it's delicate. It's a little delicate dance there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You're play- you're playing chestnut checkers. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some game. All right. This week, I wanted to talk about Dinosaur Island, which is a worker placement resource management game. Designed by Jonathan Gilmore and Brian Lewis, art by Quanchi Moria and Anthony Walken, published by Panasaurus Games. So in this game, players are collecting DNA, creating dinosaurs, and building the best dino park they can to attract as many visitors as they can. Basically, you're playing Jurassic Park, the board game. During setup, players will determine how long of a game they wish to play. The game end triggers based off objective cards, and the game comes with cards for a short, medium, and long game. 
Once a certain number of objectives are completed, the round will finish up and the game, the game is complete. Each round is broken up into five phases. The first phase is the research phase. In this phase, the players will roll a set of DNA dice, which shows players what they can have access to that round. Then in turn order, players will place one of their three special workers they have. These science workers each have a value of one, two, or three. There are a few things that players can acquire in this phase, first being DNA. You place a scientist and you get that many DNA. So for example, if you place your three scientists under a dice containing two basic blue DNA, you would get six blue DNA. The next thing you can do is expand your cold storage. This is where you keep your DNA and you have limited access. And again, you can increase it based on the scientist level that you assign. And finally, you can get a dino recipe. There are three kinds and each require the certain scientist level. The next phase is the market phase. In this phase, players are going to have two opportunities to either hire specialists, build attractions, buy lab upgrades, or even purchase DNA. After that phase concludes, you're going to move on to the worker phase. This is where players will use their second set of workers to activate the various labs on their personal player board. This is essentially where players can make dinosaurs. You can increase your paddocks to hold more dinosaurs, increase your security. You can convert basic DNA to advanced DNA. There's a variety of things you can do here, and it expands as you're upgrading through the market phase. Next up is the park phase. This is where players attract visitors and place them into their park. First, players will attract visitors, so they check their excitement level and pull visitors from a bag. They do this because there are regular visitors and then there are hooligans. Your excitement is based on the different kinds of dinosaurs that you have in your park. So you gain money based on the number of regular visitors you have. Hooligans don't pay. And then you get to place the visitors in your park. You have to place the hooligans first, obviously, because they clearly push their way to the front of the line. You score points based on how many of these visitors you can place in the available spaces in your park. This phase is also where you check to see if any dinosaurs have escaped and eat your guests. To do this, you have to compare your threat level to your security level. Threat is going to be based off two things. One, the number and kind of dinosaurs you have in your park. So like the big carnivores attract more guests, but they are far more dangerous. And the last thing is based off the DNA dice in phase one. There will typically be some dice left over and the dice will have small dots on them. This is a temporary threat that fluctuates round to round. If you have more security than threat, you're good to go. Otherwise, the dinosaurs will eat your guests. Obviously not the hooligans. And then the last phase is the cleanup phase, which is basically just resets boards for the following round. I think what makes this game fantastic is how well it gives me that dinosaur theme I want, along with what I feel is good tension and really good decisions. I think the theme is fantastic. I, I really love the artwork, and I just really enjoy how they've incorporated all this gameplay. I totally agree. I love the look of this game. I, I like the colors and the artwork. It's really kind of got this 90s vibe to it. Um, I love the theme. I love building dinosaurs. It's a lot of fun. The first time I played this game, we played a short version of it, and I don't recommend that at all. Typically, I like shorter versions of game, but this one, there's it, there's so much buildup. Like, it takes a little bit to build up your dinosaurs in your park. So we played this game and I was finally starting to build a few dinosaurs and get things going and the game was over. So I don't recommend the short version. I think if you want to play a short version, it needs to, you need to start off with a bunch of stuff so that way you still have like the same end. Because you don't want to build this park that has like two dinosaur paddocks in it and all these empty spaces like that's not a fun game so when i first played it i was totally turned off from the game i didn't like it at all because i thought it was way too tight i didn't get anything done and the game ended so quickly even though it felt like a big heavier game 
So, but then I played it again and I really enjoyed it. I think we played a regular version of it and um, I really, really liked it. And so then on, I've, I've changed my tune quite a bit because um, I just was able to complete a lot more. Yeah, agreed. I think the short game, the short objectives in creating a short game is just, uh, to me, worthless. I just will never play that way Mm-mm. with this game. There are even times where you'll have a certain set of the medium length objective cards and even those sometimes the game wraps up a smidge too early for my liking so the like long ones for the most part are the ones i like i wonder if you could even do some like medium objectives and do a couple long objectives depending on player count and get kind of that sweet spot in between the two Mm -hmm. because i agree that short game you get like two dinosaurs and you're done Mm -hmm. you know whereas a medium game you can actually start building your park and it feels like you've done more in this game yeah, it, it's definitely a heavier, meatier game, and you want to be able to spend time doing it. You know, if there was some kind of prelude, you know, things that you could set up in advance and then have a shorter game where you like kind of basically skip like the first few turns, I'd be fine with that, you know, instead of cutting off the, the end of the game. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. This game, when I first played it, even though it was, uh, I think we played maybe a medium or shorter game. I was so enthralled with it. Just it did so many for me, so many like cool things because it gave you two different kinds of workers. And then you're trying to like manage all this stuff. Like what kind of strategy do you want? Do you want to maybe go all really small herbivores, which aren't quite as exciting? So you're not going to get as many excitement, but your threat level isn't going to be there. Or do you want to go for that Tyrannosaurus Rex where everyone wants to see it, Mm -hmm. but it's so far, it's so much more likely that they're going to break through and like eat your, eat your people. Even pulling from the bag and not knowing if you're going to pull out hooligans or not, that to me, that's it's still fun. And it's always like when somebody pulls out like two or three, you're like, ha, 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 you, uh-huh. you, know, you got you got hooligans or whatever. So it's it's just a fun experience, I would say. Yeah, it was fun. I didn't like the hooligans um, at first. I was like, I'm going to hate this. But they didn't come out that often enough to ruin my game. And, and so it was fine. It was still a lot of fun. It made it made it just enough little um, randomness and excitement to it that it was that it was fun. I think this game, one, does something really unique. You know, like with the di- the, yep. the DNA dice, and and two, like it's so thematic. Like everything makes sense. Like your people get eaten. That's really funny. Like it's just such a unique and thematic game with really uh, a lot of strategy. There's a little bit of luck with the hooligans, but that, you know, on the dice roll, I guess, you know, you're there's one set of dice that you're rolling for the whole table and then you're drafting them. So it's very little, little uh, luck. It's mostly all um, strategy. And you can even there's ways to offset the hooligans. Yeah, agreed. There is enough randomness. You can't exactly plan for your future turns. There's just enough of that randomness. But there's enough ability to manipulate that stuff. So, for example, mm-hmm. in phase two, the market phase, you can buy a specialist that says discard the first two hooligans. You can park security or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So it gives you this little special power. So now you don't have to worry about hooligans as much. Like, yeah, maybe the DNA dice that you want didn't come up. But guess what? You can buy them in the market phase. If you can't buy them in the market phase, you can convert it in your other phase. So there's ways you can still get the things you need to get in order to make the dinosaurs. Yeah, I enjoy it quite a bit. I, I think I'd rate it a 8 out of 10. I liked it a lot. So for me, this game is going to get a 9.5 out of 10. Whoa. Yeah, it's one of my top 10 games. I love this game. Ever ever since the first play of it, just something about it clicks perfectly with me. 
the artwork and aesthetic of it, I just it it makes me happy looking at it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the most breathtaking artwork, but just there's something nostalgic about that artwork that I yeah. really, really like, you know, mm-hmm. and having the two sets of workers being able to like the the decisions in each phase, I think are interesting. You know, that first phase, do you get DNA or do you expand cold storage? I can get six of this DNA if I put my three there, but man, I really need to increase my cold storage. Maybe I put my three there and increase my cold storage, but I really want that, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex too. Mm-hmm. you know you have good decisions and then in the market phase you get two buys if you don't buy anything you get to eliminate one of the things in one of the rows so you can basically deny something to one of another player if you know they want it so you're still like manipulating the game your own board phase where you're kind of just doing your own thing which is kind of nice and then yeah just everything about it just clicks really well with me and i just yeah i love this game if you like the jurassic park theme Mm-hmm. If you like worker placement, if you like resource management, I mean, I would definitely give this game a try. I really, really like this game. The only negative thing for me, I think, is that it's really tight. You know, it's one of those games that you have to plan your turnout. You have to be really thinky about what you do. You're going to run out of money. You're going to have to be strategic, you know, and, and, and depending on how much you enjoy that, that'll determine how much you enjoy this game, I think. I think the tightness gives me the tension that I like mm-hmm. because sometimes you're like, man, I really need to make sure I got, I, okay, I'm pulling 10 visitors. I really need nine money for next round. Mm-hmm. So I, if I, God, do I better not pull two hooligans, you know, and then you pull two hooligans and you're like, dang it. Like now I have to rethink stuff. I will say the table, the game is a table hog. I mean, there's so many boards everywhere. This thing is massive. So lots a regular, pieces, yeah. yeah, yeah. Lots of bits and everything, but. Yeah, it just gives me that tension I really, really love in games. So that is Dinosaur Island. All right, let's talk about the successor, Dinosaur World. So this is designed by Brian Lewis, David McGregor, and Marissa Masura, and it's published by Panasaurus Games. You know, same theme here with, with tiling, it's worker placement, dice rolling, resource management style game. So in this game, players are trying to build the most exciting park again with the least amount of deaths. Each round in Dinosaur World, you draft a new resume card to acquire new workers, and then you spend those workers to take public actions. Public actions will get you, you can gather DNA with them, and the DNA is exactly the same as in Dinosaur Island. Um, So it's really recognizable, which I really liked. Um, You can build a dino paddock to build more dinosaurs. You can build an attraction, or you can also build special buildings. And so these are all... uh, six-sided hexagonal tiles that you are adding to your little tableau in in there. So you're going to spend your workers doing these public actions, but then you want to save some workers. Once everyone's done doing the public actions, everyone's going to move into doing their own private actions. And this is very similar, again, to Dinosaur Island. So in your private actions, you can do do DNA refinement where you can manipulate your DNA. You can um, upgrade your your Jeepo. You can get some funding. You can make dinosaurs. You can increase your security. So once everybody places out their workers and does their uh, each of their own p- private actions, you're going to move on to your Jeepal tour. So your Jeepal is your Jeep Meeple, and you're going to take visitors along your park. And depending on how advanced your Jeepal is, will depend on how far you can go. And so you'll you'll maybe have like a few different routes you can take a few different um, movement actions, I guess, where you can move. So you kind of choose which tiles you want to go to. Uh, What makes this game really unique is that each time you take these visitors out in your Jeep, um, 
to do the same, if you go to the same location, it loses a little bit of excitement for your visitors. So you want to keep building new places to take them to. And you want to make sure you wait to go to those locations until you can maximize your points. So there's a lot to think about with this game. You've got, you know, where your workers are going to go, but then also setting up these tiles in an area where you can get to within the amount of movement points you have, but also not keep going the same route because you're going to lose excitement and not get near as many points with it. Yeah, that Jeeple thing is actually kind of interesting. It's, for me, somewhat polarizing in two ways. One, I kind of like it. Like, it's fun to be able to plan a route. Mm -hmm. But I, so I backed this game on Kickstarter and I went all in on it because, I I mean, clearly you just heard how much I love Dinosaur Island. Yeah. You're like, Dinosaur World, like a follow-up? Sign me up. Take my money. Mm -hmm. I backed it. And when I got the Kickstarter version... When you do your Jeeple tour, they give you little arrows that uh, that show your route with your Jeeple. Yeah. They don't, like, why? You don't really need that. You just run your Jeeple around. Well, the, the arrows mark how many, how many actions you can, how many spots you can go to. You know what I mean? So you know you hit, like, you can go four movements, so then you've got three arrows or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I under, Like, I get that, but at the same time, it's just like, I can just keep track of that in my head. And the other thing that really is for us, what's that? I guess, but you got to make sure you're going in the right direction. I like the arrows. The arrows are good. All right, whatever. The, okay, for me, I don't care about the arrows. The thing that sure. really frustrates me is in the exclusive Kickstarter Deluxe Edition, your excitement level on each of these things are these little tiny, tiny numbered shits. They're so small. And when I first started punching this game, I'm like, what the heck are these? They are Well, there's the only worst. Like, like three or four of them in the game, right? No, man. Are you kidding me? Jeez. <laughs> like, there's it is, like a hundred of them. <laughs> it is the worst. Of all the things you could have given me as far as an extra, give me some dice. So our friend Danny ended up getting these little tiny like micro six-sided dice that he uses in his copy. Because those little things are just, I know I'm hung up on this little thing, but this thing, these things are just, they're a joke to me. They're mm-hmm. an absolute joke. That, so they're, it was they're a counter. So every time you go there, you increase that um, boredom, uh, boredom or whatever it is. So the mm-hmm. first first time you go there, you add a one to it. The second time you add a two to it. So it, that those little tiny chips are, are a tracker. So every time you go there, you take your little one chip off and you replace it with a two chip. Then the next time you take your two chip off and replace it with a three chip. So the dice are the same size as those chips, but they're dice. So they're 3D. So they're easier to pick up and manipulate, but they're still a pain in the butt. Like that. Yeah, that is the absolute worst part about this game. So let me tell you about the things I like about the game. Sure. Let's do that. I think Dinosaur World is a little tight. This game kind of gets up and running a little bit quicker. I like that a lot. I love the 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 DNA track is exactly the same. The mechanics mm-hmm. are exactly you, you if you play Dinosaur World, you're gonna Dinosaur Island, you're gonna jump into this game and you're gonna understand it fairly quickly. Yes. Um you get different colored workers and each of those workers do different things. And then of course if you go to some areas with your with a certain you can so you can go, you can take your workers and you can go to any area. But if you use, if they want blue workers and you take your blue workers there, you get special abilities. I really like that, the way that that workers setup is. I 100% agree with that. I really like the fact that you draft them too in the very beginning. So you have yes. a display that 
I love that part of this game. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. And it's really cool the way you use them and you manipulate them and you got to save them. And also you need to save them. I didn't talk about this, but you need to save them for your tour because some of them will give you victory points, but only if you have a yellow worker there. So you've got to save your workers in certain areas. And I love that part about it. I love the artwork. I love the components. I like the tile building with it where every time you get a paddock, you're now adding a tile on a special building. I like that better than Dinosaur Island. Um, and then you're doing this little tour with your Jeep, which is kind of cool. So you've got to set it up. And, and every time I do it, I do it wrong. So I'm like, oh, I got to play it again so I can do it right next time. This is a little tight, a little little too hard in that sense. But I still really overall like it. I like, you know, the paddock and or I'm sorry, the security functions all the same. I like all those recognizable things. Here's what I don't like. The whole point of this game is to build dinosaurs. But if you build too many dinosaurs you will earn a lot of deaths, which is fine as long as everybody else in the game also earns a lot of deaths. So at the end of the game, whoever has the least amount of deaths, so let's say I have 30 and Bob has 15. We all minus 15 deaths out of our score. So now Bob has zero and I have 15. And then based on how many deaths you have, you lose victory points. So the first few, you don't lose any, and then it, it kind of escalates in there. And it really, really escalates. So let me find the track here. So one or two deaths, you lose one point. No big deal. Three, you lose two. Four, you lose three. Five, you lose five. Six, you lose seven. If you lose 10, if you have 10 deaths, you lose 15 points. And then after that, you lose three three points per death you have above 10. Okay, so no big deal. I just will try to keep in line with my opponents. And if everyone has the same, it's no big deal. But if But it's not hard to all of a sudden accidentally get like, five to eight deaths in like one round. And all of a sudden you're shooting way up there. And at one point I was starting to shoot way up there a lot faster than my opponent. So I was like, okay, okay, fine. I will not build any more dinosaurs. So I don't risk any more deaths. I'll let them build some more dinosaurs. They'll get their deaths up. So we'll be equal at the end of the game. Let me work on getting some points some other ways. So I was like, okay, I'll build some special buildings and get points that way. But the buildings give you like hardly any points. It's like, one or two points if you go there. If I can get there three times, maybe I'll get a decent amount, something like that. It's just hardly worth it. All the points come from these dinosaurs, but you get so many deaths and you lose so many victory points. It's like, then you're kind of being punished for building dinosaurs. Which is the point of the game, is to build dinosaurs. You know, I agree 100%. The game we played, you were just racking up deaths and I was like, well, I'm just not going to get any of the big dinosaurs. Because mm-hmm. it mattered for the entire table how many deaths there were. It wasn't like an individual thing like in Dinosaur Island, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, that that's just, I was keeping track of where you were at. And as long as I was below that, I was good to go. Like you were leading in points mm-hmm. at the end of the game. And because of your deaths, you lost. By a lot. I didn't lose by significantly. a little bit. I lost like I had gone down to like hardly any points. It was so significant. Like, it would have been fine if I lost by, like, a couple points. And if I had put a couple more effort into, you know, a few more points, I would have won. That would have been fine. But because it brought me down so low, it kind of spoiled the whole game for me. And I hated that more than the stupid little tiny chits. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose that's fair. Those tiny chits still, it just bugs me because it's a Kickstarter version. And they're such a crappy component Mm -hmm. that you would think they would. Anyway, besides that point. So... The w- it's interesting with these two games because Dinosaur Island, I feel, is very sort of micro 
where you have your individual thing, you're setting up your little booths or whatever, and it feels very contained. It feels a lot smaller, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Dinosaur World, based on its name, feels bigger. It feels like much bigger. Granted, a lot of things are very similar. You're building your own park, but it feels so much more macro than Dinosaur Island does. And there's a thing in the game which really frustrates me is, so you start off your Jeeple tours on this one spot. And then like halfway through the game, you have to connect it somewhere else, Mm -hmm. right? So you basically move like your entrance or whatever to a different spot on the board on the opposite side. See, I think that was intentional because you can't keep running off the same spot because you'll eventually lose victory points by going there because your excitement or your boredom level is so high. Right. And I understand the con like that makes sense to me. I agree, but I still don't like it because as a player playing it for the first time, I have no idea how to set my park up in a way, even though I know that's coming, mm-hmm. I'm not prepared for it because I'm, I can't see how that's going to work until it happens. Yeah. It's a little too hard to plan out. And yes. I found that even, even in the few, the, not just the first plays and even in the other plays I had, I was like, okay, I'm going to plan for this. And then I was like, oh, I still ruined this. <laughs> like it just ended up being a little too hard. And I don't know if there if there was a little bit more flexibility with the Jeep movement, that would have helped a lot. Yeah, because you can you have to start off from where the Jeep starts and then make your movements based off that. So there's a lot more decisions to be made when you're placing those tiles into your park because it matters where they're positioned. Mm-hmm. And as cool as that concept may be, it just didn't click for me. Spoiler alert, this game didn't click for me. People seem to love this over Dinosaur Island and it, for me personally, it boggles my mind. They, there are some cool things. I love that drafting of the people, though. Like in the very beginning, you have that list of people, and they have different different colors, can activate different uh, spots better. I really enjoy that. The fact that you have to, this is your confined to this. How many do I need to save for my park? How am I going to move my Jeeple? All that stuff is cool. I really like that. Mm-hmm. It just overall didn't come together quite as well as Dinosaur Island for me. I understand. I totally understand why people like this game better. I think you can have a probably, I I assume they have a really positive experience with it. I think there's some really neat probably comboing you can do with those special ability tiles that we just didn't get into. I can totally understand why people like it. For me, it's just, it just wasn't fun and it was a lot of work. It's a huge table hog, like bigger than the first one, bigger than Dinosaur World. So many uh, bits and components. It's a huge setup. Um, it's just, to me, it's not worth the effort, you know? Yeah, I would agree. I agree. It just doesn't make me feel nearly as good as Dinosaur Island does. But if somebody set it all up and was like, hey, you want to join me and play it? I'd, I'd play it again. I didn't just dislike it. It just, it just, I just had a few sour um, goes of it, I think. It's interesting because be- a little behind the scenes, we were talking about discussing these two games and we were talking about Dinosaur World and Natasha's like, hey, do you want to play it again before we review it? And my response was, no, I don't think I, like, I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm just not, if some, again, like you said, if we went into game night, Danny had his copy set up and said, hey, let's play Dinosaur World. I'd be like, okay. But for me to get my copy out and set it up and play it, I just don't feel like it. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather, if I had to be pick between the two, I'm going to grab Dinosaur Island. Mm-hmm. What would you rate it? I, I rated it a six. I, I I didn't dislike it. It's just not not that much fun for me. But I would play it again. Yeah, I'm giving it a six as well. I I really wanted it to be 
for me better than it was. I can see why people would like it like you said, but yeah, six. Yeah, I don't think just because we don't like it, I don't necessarily mean you won't like it. I don't think this is a bad game. You know, I think if you go into it knowing, you know, knowing a little bit more about it, knowing that you got to be really careful about those deaths and and be clever and strategic, I think you can find a lot of fun in it. It's just not something I'm willing to invest a lot of time into. But definitely take our review with a grain of salt, I think. I think a lot of people like it and for good reason. And that's perfectly fine. But I would recommend this game. I'd recommend giving it a shot if you really like Dinosaur Island, um, if you like tiling, if you like these heavy games that have a lot to think about, you know, with, that's kind of brain burning. I think you you might enjoy it. You know, it might be worth your time. It's definitely will, um, worth checking out at least. And that's Dinosaur World. All right. So next up, I want to recommend a, a movie I watched. I don't know that many people will, who are in our viewer audience will recommend, will enjoy this if they have the same taste as I do, but um, I really enjoyed it. So you can choose to watch it or not if you, if you want. It's on Netflix. It's called Do Revenge. It's a, um, it's a teen girl movie. So I don't know that it'll be for everybody, but I really liked it. I thought it was one of the best teen girl movies. It was really modern. It talked a lot about like the sexism that women face and the issues that they have to deal with. And it was very modern, you know, it had all the the new issues that people nowadays have to deal with. Um, it was, uh, I don't know, it had great, uh, queer representation, great friendship, um, uh, you know, kind of about a little bit about the trauma that, you know, people cause and, you know, in high school and, and by spreading rumors and stuff like that. And a little bit about forgiveness. I, I overall, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I don't know that everybody will, but um, if you like uh, girl teen drama, you know, teen high school shows, then uh, definitely check out Do Revenge. If that's your genre, if that's your guilty pleasure. It's Maya Hawk in it. And I just I just think she's just about the coolest person ever. And I really love her. So she was amazing. And I recommend watching it just for her. I probably will not watch this movie. The, the, yeah, I, it's fair. I mean, if you don't think you'll like it. <laughs> then you probably won't. I'm probably <laughs> not. I am not the target audience. Hopefully there's a couple of girls out there, or people out there that, um, that like this type of, type of thing. <laughs> For, oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people that love this kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a guilty pleasure for a lot of people. Well, I don't feel guilty. It's just pure pleasure for me. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. All right. That's going to wrap up this segment. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about disposable games. All right, welcome back. Next up, I want to talk about disposable games. Um, I know that when disposable games first started coming out, I think um, Risk Legacy and, and Pandemic Legacy was really the big one because Pandemic Legacy, um, you played through the whole thing and it was over. At the end of Risk, you, you played through the whole thing and then you had this game. But then Pandemic, it's like the game was done. And everyone's like, well, you can still play it, but it was designed to be done. And people didn't like that at all. What are your thoughts about uh, about disposable games or what were your initial thoughts, I, sh- I should say? For me, when I first heard about the concept behind it, I was kind of like, I don't want to spend a bunch of money on a game that I won't be able to play repeatedly, right? Mm-hmm. But then the reviews started coming in specifically with Pandemic Legacy and how fantastic of a story it is and what it tells throughout the course of the game. The, one of the things I thought about when I was buying it is how often do I play some of these games? Yeah, there's certain games that I'll play a bunch of times, 
mm-hmm. but a regular game, how many plays do I get in of it? Yeah. And the fact that you play through the most, you, the least amount of games you'll ever play in Pandemic Legacy is 12, and the most you'll ever play is 24. So you're always within that specific amount of time. But for mm-hmm. me, going into it initially, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to invest money on a game that, like, once I'm done, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad I did. And because of my experience with Pandemic Legacy, I have zero hesitations of doing it now. Yeah. Because of how positive an experience and how much I enjoyed playing through that. And yes, you know, I don't remember the Pandemic Legacy season one, like if it was 60 or something dollars. I think the the newer versions were 70, you know, retail. And obviously you could get them cheaper than that. But I think it was extremely worth the amount of gameplay you got compared to the story that you got that how it made you feel playing throughout the entire season. Yeah. I I really love um legacy games or disposable games that that you are done with because you play it 18 times or you know however many times and you're done. Now you pack it up and you get rid of it and it, it's out of your life and you don't have to feel guilty about getting rid of it because it's done. We're like, okay, I bought Machi Koro for my son. He really wanted to play it. We had a lot of fun playing the legacy game. It was totally worth me buying, but I don't want to own Machi Koro, the legacy game and get it out and play it a bunch of times. I feel like, yeah, we could and it would be fine, but I don't want to, but I also can't get rid of it because it's a perfectly good game i can't gift it to anybody because we did the whole legacy part you know so what do i do with this game that i don't really want like i feel guilty throwing it away you know what i mean so i almost prefer them to have an ending and to be done i completely see that because a lot of the reason people are hung up on getting into a legacy game specifically i know we talked it's disposable games but for you know legacy is the fact that once you're done, you're done. But then there's this trend that seems to be happening with legacy games that are making them playable after you've adjusted everything. Mm-hmm. You know, Betrayal Legacy, Macho Koro Legacy. Uh, you have all these games that when you're finished, you have your own version of the game. Mm-hmm. But it's too much. When you take a game yeah. like Machi Koro, it should be light and you basically added on all these little tiny expansions and you've made it too much. And if you do it in a legacy format where you're slowly adding them, it's fun. It's great. But to get it out and to play it, I would take all of those parts out and just play base game, which you could and it'd be fine. But it's just not a game I want to keep playing. Uh, yeah, I can completely agree with that. And funny, fun fact, you talked about throwing away your, uh, your games after you're done with them. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I played Pandemic Legacy, all three of them, right? Yeah. I kept the boxes, <laughs> except I finally got rid of all of them last <laughs> week. I recycled them, but I just kept them around. I don't know why, even because it's what hard. I've done. It's It doesn't feel right to get rid of the game for well, whatever Bob, reason. Okay. First, you need to say that Bob um, took the games and he made a, um artwork out of them and framed yes. them. So yeah, the I games do. he's displayed. So literally, he's only talking about the box. No, he there's had, stuff in the box. There's content in there. There's still the cards and the bits and the. And he couldn't throw it away, even though he had completely played the game, made artwork out of the out of the board and everything, hung it up in his game room, and still can't throw the box away. Like that's how hard throwing away. And my point is not to tease you about it, but just to say, like that's it's hard to throw things away. Yeah, you know, it, what no, I mean? you, there's that. There, you're. My experience with that game is attached to that box. It's hard for me to distinguish between the two. So throwing away that box 
almost feels like you're throwing away the experience, even though I've recycled it and I've still enjoyed the experience. And now I don't have those boxes, which is really nice. But it took and me forever. And you still forever. have the artwork on your walls to think about the yeah. game. So you yeah. have a way yeah, to so, um, enjoy your memories. Yeah. If you ever come to my <laughs> if you ever come to my game room and you've not played it, well, you're going to be spoiled because you're going to see them displayed behind the behind the table. Yeah. It doesn't spoil anything. I still want to play it. The season zero, even though I stared at it a bunch of times. Okay, so the, I have love. Have you only Legacy. played one and two? Have you only played one and two, or have you played three? Yeah, just You're... one and two. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love legacy games. I I like it when they're completed. Um, but I also really really like escape room games. So Exit Unlock. Um, I like the Holiday Hijinks by the Grand Gamers Guild. I like just about all of them. So Exit does it a little differently. They destroy, like when you you know when you play it you destroy things so you cut up things you rip it you tear it or you write on it physically so you can't reuse them but to me they're like 15 dollars games so that doesn't bother me i i still um give them away if anybody wants to play a used copy of it they're still replayable it might a few of the clues might be um used up but that's how hard it is for me to throw it away i still have a hard time just throwing it in the trash i'd rather just give it away you know, you can't sell them because they are ruined, but there's still game left in it if somebody wanted to figure it out, especially the ones that are cut, because whenever you cut anything, there's cut lines on there. So you're literally not ruining anything for anybody because they know that they have to cut it. You just. Yeah, I've so it's hard for me to give my opinion about the exit style games because I just don't play them. Mm-hmm. It's just not a thing that comes up because more often than not. I mean, you can play them with six, seven people, and I've always mm-hmm. heard like less is better. Yeah. So it's not a solo experience I want to do. And if I'm playing two player stuff, typically it's with my wife. Yeah. And it's typically something else. See, you and know? that's why I play them a lot is because my husband really enjoys them. He doesn't like board games, but he'll play these. And so the two of us play, which I recommend them all at two. I think they're best at two. And yeah, I, I've played a lot of those. And my son and I have been playing a lot of the unlock games. Those you don't ruin at all, so you can play them. I love playing them and then putting them right back, selling them um, again at my consignment store. I love that. You know, I I don't have to keep them forever. I just play them and I get them out of my life. See, that's nice, but there's something about cutting, tearing, that kind of thing that just hits a little different when it comes to those games. Like, for example, I remember playing Pandemic Legacy and the first time it's like, destroy this card. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to, I don't know if I really want to tear this card up. And if you know me, like that's like, I like to keep my games in good condition, mm-hmm. you know? So I like, I sleeve card stuff like that. And I like to keep things in a, in good condition. That first time ripping a card, you're just like, wow, that's like, this card will never be here ever again. It's done. Just that, <laughs> that idea of it was such a foreign concept in a game for me that so the destruction of it I think adds that other layer to it like it's permanently gone you don't just get rid of it it's done funny it's so funny how people have that kind of reaction to me I never had that kind of reaction I was like okay cool done you know but like so many people are like what (laughs) I think you're in the minority when it comes to that I I don't know it's just like it just you're that's not how games are supposed to be you're not supposed to destroy the components of a game you yeah, know, if you want to keep a game for a long time, you're supposed to like keep mm-hmm. it in good condition. Yeah, the unlike game, I I do agree. There is something fun about tearing up those pieces and exit and destroying the game and and you know, but it is nice. Like 
if that bothers you, you can do the unlock games where there's no destroying you and you can resell them. And those are easy to find used because of that. You don't need to keep them. There's no reason. So what about a legacy style game? How do you feel about a legacy style game that uh, allows you to replay through the legacy aspect? So the one in my, the one I think of with this is Charterstone by Stonemeyer mm-hmm. Games. So you play through it and then you can get a recharge pack, flip the board and do it all over again. Would you have um, ed- ever any interest in doing something like that? I don't think I would. So no, not for me because I don't, I think there's just so many games out there that I wouldn't spend that much time playing another game again. So to me, I have no interest, but I think that's cool. If people are super into that game and really like it um, and you have that option, cool. You don't have to buy a whole new game to do it, you know? So that's, it's fine. Sure. Yeah. I, for me, the experience of Charterstone wasn't that great. And I think because of that, like I had zero interest in redoing the thing again, like, uh, uh-huh. But the legacy, like the pandemic games, I would play again for sure. If I had it, and we're we're working on playing um, Acquisitions Incorporated, um, so that's the thing that's going to be hopefully coming up. We're going to start getting into that soonish. But like, yeah, I don't know. I just it kind of goes back to that. It's now replayable again. So how much of a legacy? And the thing is, you know the story, right? Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. Yeah, but I definitely think it's worth. You know, try to get over that fear of having games you can only play once. Like another one is the micro macro one. Um, I mean, you could play it again because you'll forget it for sure. But you don't need to. Like there's new ones coming out. So get the newer ones. It's, it's fun and it's nice. And, and I like not adding more games to my collection because because I'm not a collector. I don't I have limited. I keep my collection limited. I don't want tons. I like to only have things that I play a lot you know, that I get good use out of. So I appreciate these style games and I hope we see more of them. So this is a completely different tangent altogether. Okay. Are you going to buy Planet Unknown? <laughs> you just asking me if I'm going to buy it? Yeah. I Okay. Um, I think I will because my son really liked Isle of Cats and he, um, and so I think I could get him to play with it. So that therefore I have a reason to buy it. I try not to buy games unless I have a reason like I'm going to bring it to this location and and we're going to play it. You know, if I can't say that, I try to hold off and wait. The reason why this is coming up audience because I literally just got my copy of Planet Unknown yesterday and my wife and I were playing it and I just kept taking pictures and sending them <laughs> to Natasha. Yeah, I was jealous. <laughs> I, but I could just play your copy. You, you can't know, play if my I'm, copy. Yeah. I have to have a reason that I need to own it myself. I'm yeah, going to play enough. my copy. Because I have so many games that I bought and then like don't ever play my own copy. I hate it. I don't like waste. Bugs me. That's fair. Do you consider the exit games wasteful? No, not at all. I I like things that you consume and then they're done with. Even though you can't like pass it on like the unlock games you can pass on to somebody else? Yeah, that don't bother me. I don't care. Um, Because it's only $15. Like if you go to an escape room. Okay. Have we talked about escape rooms before? I think, we mm, I think we've touched on them slightly, yeah. Escape rooms are expensive. They're like usually $30 a person, something along those lines. Oh, easily, yeah. At least. And then you do this whole escape room with a group of people. You could do it with all people you know or all random people. It doesn't really matter. The point is you're only going to do a few of those puzzles. Where when you do an escape room, the game, you play it like two player, you're both going to go through and do every single one of those puzzles. So now it's $15 for two people and you get more entertainment out of it. 
I, I even like disposable, like when people would give my kids stuff, I would be like, give them something disposable, like a one-time craft experience. Because when you keep getting, like getting more and more and more, all of a sudden it adds up and you have so much, you know, especially with kids toys, like they get toys for Christmas for their birthday. They get all this type of stuff and then it just builds and builds and builds and you have a hard time getting rid of it for whatever reason. But when they get like disposable toys, like they enjoy the craft, they play with it and then it's gone. You can get rid of it. The problem with getting them a bunch of toys is when the ones they don't play with anymore, you you decide to take them all of a sudden they want to play with them again. Mm-hmm. Like you haven't played with this toy for like a year. Yeah. And all of a sudden now it's the most important toy in your collection. Come on. <laughs> give me a break. I just don't like collecting like a large amount of stuff. I don't like managing that kind of stuff in my life. Have you done uh, like legit real life escape rooms? I've done one and I didn't enjoy it. It was fine. But was it because there was too many people? Yeah, it wasn't too many people. It was the right amount of people. But I only ended up doing like two puzzles of the whole thing. We split up and we each took some of the puzzles. It I was, suppose that's fair. It was fine. I would do them if a bunch of friends were going out and, and one invited me. I would totally go along and do it just to hang out with my friends. But I would, if it were my choice with my money, I would buy a, a game and play that instead, even by myself. <laughs> I enjoy them by myself too. Would you would you play escape rooms as a solo experience, like the exit games or the unlock? Oh games? yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. So you are a solo gamer. I, yeah, I, you. I did. I do do those. Yeah. Look well, I you. I try to, and then my husband finds me, and he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Why don't you invite me to play with you?" I was like, "Oh, you're busy." <laughs> it's because I wanted it's be a like, break from you. Is me like halfway through. <laughs> I just needed a break. Ugh. Everyone's always asking me for stuff. Yeah. Leave me alone. Jeez. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week. Uh, please join. Give, leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions. Um, let Bob know that he's wrong at boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.